uh, Thanksgiving isn't necessarily something that Christians put on the calendar or whatever, but it's a good time, an appropriate time to call out the things of God and to stop and to pause all the things that we have to be thankful for. And as I was thinking through this, I thought, what are the effects of not being thankful? If I looked in my own life, and I'll give you a lot of illustrations out of my own life, because like I said, we all deal with these things. And uh, we're going to be in the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, and I usually don't preach topical sermons, and I don't even know if you would call this a topical sermon, but we're going to use a lot of scripture, with the point and the emphasis being, this is Thanksgiving week. And we're going to have a lot going on. We're going to have a lot of opportunities. You're going to have potlucks at work, get-togethers with friends. You're going to have people traveling from uh, maybe states away that you don't see very often. Or maybe you're going to be traveling and seeing uh, people. And it's an opportunity for you to take advantage of this time just to praise the Lord and to be thankful for the things that God's done in your life. But I was thinking sometimes the things that we do are geared more towards trying to be a blessing to somebody else or trying to, we go and we're, we want to be a soul winner because we want to see soul saved. We want to do these things to be a blessing and an encouragement to others and to lift others up. And it's kind of like we bear our cross and we carry this weight and we serve the world sometimes to the ne neglect of our own souls. And it's easy to do. And what I want to step back and think about for a minute is how the, and I was talking to uh, Brother Reeves, and uh, I love Jim, he's a good friend, and he was saying um, earlier this evening, he goes, probably the number one sin in America is unthankfulness. And he was talking about the big homes, the nice cars, the luxuries that we have. I mean, just stop and look at this building. Look at the, the things that God has given us, just the material things, not to mention the spiritual things and the freedom to preach. I mean, look at all of the things in this country that we have to be thankful for and really in our own spiritual lives. In uh, Philippians chapter 4, and I want to start reading, and before I get into this, I want, to I want us to think, who's writing this? Who is the fella that, and, and I tell you, I'm so amazed, I love the Word of God, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to try to make this as quick as possible, because I know you're weary, and you want to go home and get dinner and things like that, but think about who's writing uh, this epistle, and the, the same fellow that wrote Colossians and Ephesians, and, and he wrote these things, but you know, if you look at what his life was like, what he went through, what he was dealing with, he was in prison. When he wrote this, when he wrote Colossians and in Sunday school class, we went through Colossians and just the spirit and the joy and the excitement that the apostle Paul had. He was in prison in Acts. It talks about how he had been shipwrecked and how he had been beaten and all of these things. Matter of fact, I believe it was Philippi that he was beaten near to death and then cast out of the city, went on to Corinthians and preached there. He picked himself up and continued pressing towards the mark of Christ serving God. You know, Paul, Paul was the one that said, whether I'm here if the Lord has me here, I'd rather be in heaven, but I'm here and I'm going to serve God. If I'm not here, I'm going to be with God. So no matter what, my relationship and my walk and my value in life is in God. No matter what I do, whether I'm here or whether I'm absent with the Lord. But he's the one writing this and encouraging the Philippians. The book of Philippians, you know, we look at it and it's often the um, rejoicing epistle, the joy epistle, where we go in and we find such encouragement. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore, my dearly, my brother and dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown. Look at that affection, how he refers to these people. And if we back up and even start, let's go back into chapter 1 and see how he greets them. Paul and Timotheus in chapter 1, verse 1. The servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, 
So here he is in prison, and he starts out, and he's already giving thanksgiving and, and setting the tone and being thankful. So when we say, okay, if you're going to get into this idea of thank, thankfulness, if you're going to say, oh, you know what, forget every bad thing that's going on in your life, or forget all these struggles that I have, and you just want me to go through life, regardless of the heartaches, regardless of the oppression, regardless of all of these negative things in my life, you think I am can be thankful? I can tell you a million and one things that's going wrong in my life right now, and I'm just defeated. I'm going to tell you i don't care where you are in life you can find something to be thankful for and you ought to the bible says and we're going to see that we're always to be thankful in philippians chapter 4 continuing into verse 2 i beseech yodius and beseech syntyche and that they that 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 be of the same mind in the lord in verse 3 and i entreat thee also true yoke fellow help those women which labored with me in the gospel with clement also and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life and then verse 4 Rejoice in the Lord always. You know, when I was in Bible college, I don't know if you were there, Pastor Tony, but Dr. Kendall, and he talked about the word rejoice. And what does rejoice mean? It means to go back and find joy in something that God has done in your life before. So you look back and you think of all of the things that God has done and brought you through. And when times get tough and when opposition comes, and if anybody knows about opposition, wouldn't it be Paul? Think about what Paul did before he wrote these epistles. He was a persecutor of the Christians. He was carrying them to be persecuted into prison, into jail. Men, women, and children, some of them to even be be put to death. So here we have Paul, who knew the opposition that these Christians were against. Who they could say, but Paul, we have to meet in secret, and all of these things. And Paul knew the obstacles that they were against, and God knows the obstacles that we face today. But in the midst of that, we can still find something to rejoice in. To be thankful for. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So I have to confess that in my own life, and I get really hot up here, so I'm going to take my jacket off. I hope you're okay with that. In my own life, I look and I think, Going into Thanksgiving and the things that I see in my, in my spiritual life, what are my goals? Where do I want to be? And I think, you know, I want to grow. I want to be a better Christian. I want to be more appreciative of the things that God's done in my life. But where does it start? And how is that going to enrich my life? Because remember I said that there are some things where we're serving others. But if I step back and if I look at my life and I think, you know what? My wife doesn't do this quite right. My job doesn't do this quite right. My son got a bad grade at school, and I find fault in everything that I see. And sometimes I find myself in that that pattern of life where every step I take, I'm finding fault in others. How can I be thankful? And, And to go a step beyond that, how can I be meeting with the Lord and getting down before God and saying, Lord, I thank you so much for my salvation. I know where God brought me, brought me from. I believe the Bible. I am so glad that I'm not going to hell. I mean, there are so many things. I am glad that I'm not an alien. I think uh, Pastor Joe was talking about we're now joint heirs. We're no longer aliens. That, that I am in the family of God. So many things. But, you know, it goes beyond that. I remember when I first got married, I could not believe, and God is my witness, that Tammy married me. I thought all the wrong things and bad decisions that I'd made in my life. And I'm being very honest. How do I deserve this woman? She lived at home until we got married. She's never smoked a cigarette in her life, never drank a drop of alcohol in her life. She, she is such a sweet and godly woman. She is such a good mom. And I was, I was so amazed because I didn't grow up that way. And I thought, Lord, how could you give me such a wonderful woman? 
You know, and what I find is when I stop praying that prayer and, and the same thing with my kids, you know, our kids are going to let us down. They're going to make bad grades. They're going to get on our nerves and upset us. But if all we ever focus on is that bad grade, hey, you know what? They got four other A's besides that one bad grade. But we have this tendency to see the fault in everything. And I'm surrounded at work right now. We're going through a big deal with HR in my company because everybody's complaining about everything. And one person in one of these meetings spoke up and said, I'm just glad I have a job. I, you know, I'm glad that this company puts up with me. And everybody kind of had to shut up and, excuse me, I shouldn't say that. Everybody had to be quiet, right? And step back and really get down and remember that, hey, they have a job. Not only do they have a job that's giving them a, a paycheck and they don't have to rely on handouts, but they have the health to work at that job. They could be laid up in bed somewhere unable to work. They, they, they could be in such different, but they go to work and they find, if this doesn't meet up to my expectation, then I'm going to point it out and I want everybody know how I feel about it. You know, when we get caught up in this, you know, we're, we hurt others. We hurt our testimony for Christ because, hey, you want to come to my church and hear this pageant? If all you've ever done is complain about the things at work or complain about your husband or your wife or complain about, if all you ever do is complain and listen, this is me too. So I'm talking to myself here. And I know, and I'm saying, this is how it affects us. If that's all I ever do, and I say, hey, won't you come to my church? They see I'm a Christian. Why do they want that? Why do they want to be? This guy, all he ever does is complain. And now all of a sudden, he, he's smiling. He wants me to come to church. He's giving me this invitation. This guy's a downer, man. I don't want to be around him. All he does is talk about people. All he does is, and, and I find myself, and I'm not this terrible guy, but I'm being honest with you. I find myself at times caught up in those negative things. And, and you know what? Who it hurts? It hurts me. Because when I go and I pray to God, I'm not, I'm not thanking him. I'm not appreciating these blessings. I'm not humble. And you know what I found? Whether it's my job, whether it's finding fault in my, my children or my spouse or this country, you know, and the thing is here, I was talking to you about this. So all we hear on news is bad things, it seems like. The negative things, the tragedies, the murders, the violence, the, all these things. You sit back and if you're not careful, you can, you can get discouraged and say, well, this world's going to hell in a handbasket and, and, and there's no hope and there's all this stuff. But what we don't hear is how, you, did you know Ohio pushed back on that homosexual thing so that the, the marriage thing, right? So Ohio pushed back was one of the states that pushed back. That's a praise. That's something. But you won't see too many TV stations talking about that. And, and what I'm getting at, it is the responsibility of Christians to share the good news, not 10 TV or 6 on your side or Channel 4 or anything else. So if all we ever hear is the bad news from these stations, what are we doing as Christians to lift up the name of Christ? What are we doing to be thankful and say, hey, you know what? God is working in my life. God is doing these things in my life and is he's at work. And it's like, if we're not careful, we can get caught up in that. And I want to read just some scriptures here. What does the Lord want us to do? What does he expect? Well, here it says that we're to rejoice in the Lord always. And I would say that if your attitude is like that, if you're like me, then I would say it's this. My prayer life needs some work. It's to get down and confess and say, Lord, I've been so, so selfish. You know, and so let's say the situation at work is going bad and... Uh, 
and you really want out of there, or you're going through something at school and you don't understand, why am I going through this at school? This is such a hard class. Do you realize if you're right with God, if you're a child of God, he has you there for a reason. Maybe there's somebody at lunch that, that, that is all alone and has no friends. God wants you to carry your love for God to that person. And be that person's friend and minister to them. What I'm saying is everything that happens in our life is for a reason. And our job isn't to find the problems with those things or a reason to bellyache or complain or to say, God, what are you doing in my life through this? How do you want me to respond? How can I please you or bring glory to you or understand your will for my life? And sometimes it just takes patience. And I know it's hard. And I know we struggle. But we can't do this. Let's continue and see what this says. In verse 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, we don't do this in our own strength. We do this through the power of the Lord. This isn't natural to have this attitude of thanksgiving. This isn't something that we see in the world. And you know, I don't want to be that person, I'm sure you don't either, that every time you come around, you're bringing people down. You know people like that? I tell you what, I try to go the other way when I see them coming. I would, I would, I would suggest that you really try to make sure and check your heart that you don't feed into that and let that impress you. But you turn it around and maybe find a blessing and share it with them to be an encouragement. If we look at what the Lord says about this, finding fault in others... And, and looking for reasons to praise him. What does it say in John chapter 7 verse 1? I'll turn there quickly. And I'm just going to read these verses very quickly. John chapter 7. And I don't want to be a downer about this. Because I know, hey, this is just something that helps us. Once we step back and find in our spouses. Find in our children those good things. And tell them. When's the last time you went up to your spouse or your children. And you, you praised them. Or you complimented them. Or you thanked them for, hey honey, I know you go to work. And you work a hard job. And you do all these things. And, and I, you, you do dinner. I appreciate you so much. And I love you so much. And I am so thankful that God put you in my life. If we step back and, and said, how many times do I find myself complaining about these people that I love. Versus building them up. If you're like me, I would say, Lord, I need to do a better job. Because, you know, just putting up with me alone is enough to uh, really spend some time praising the Lord. And we could probably all say that. But what does it say in John chapter 7? In verse 1. Oh, no. Did I write it down wrong? Judge not, lest ye be judged. Is that John chapter 7? I wrote it down wrong. Was that? Oh, Matthew. Yeah, I'm in John. Sorry about that. Matthew chapter 7. I'm trying to be quick, a little bit too quick. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And now here's the question for all of us. All of us, when we find ourselves seeing the fault in everything else, here's the issue in my life and probably in, in all of our lives in verse 3. And this is what we have to ask ourselves. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. What's the message? It's to look at ourselves and to be consumed and say, Lord, help me to be a better husband. Help me to be a better employee. Help me to be a better Christian. Help me to be what I'm supposed to be. And that will keep you busy. 
so that you don't have to worry about how everybody else is doing their life. You can't impact. You can't make your wife do what you want her to do. You cannot make your children do what you want them to do. They have to make that decision. But I tell you what, if you love them and appreciate them and pray for them and lift them up and build them up and encourage them, you'll get way more mileage out of that. But sometimes we think we're, gonna, we're just going to drop the hammer and say all of these things and find all of these faults, and that is sin. The Bible says stop and consider yourself and look at your own life. Do you have something to work on? And go from there. What, is, what does Jesus say about this? And I thought, what is it about? It's about love and understanding these people and these relationships in our lives and how we're to respond to them. Jesus said in John, well, let me go to 1 Peter chapter 4. And read there quickly. So when we look at people and we find faults, we look at instances and find faults. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 8. And above all things, find fault so that you can correct everybody, so that they meet your expectations, and then you have rejoicing among yourselves. Is that what your Bible says? That's not what my Bible says. My Bible says, and above all things, no matter what, above all things, have charity, have fervent charity. What is that? Love. And above all things, have fervent charity, fervent love among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. You know, if you look, and what did Jesus say in John chapter 13 and verse 35? This is where Jesus said, all men shall know you are my disciples by your love, 1335. He says in verse 34, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another that you also love one another by this all men shall know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another you know when we look around and when we tear people down and don't build them up i want to tell you right now that is not god's desire for your life that's not a ministry that god has given you god has given us a ministry of reconciliation that's bringing a lost world to a saving god that's bringing people that are vaccinated back to God and being an encouragement and blessing them. I could go on and even talk about Galatians where it says, um, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill you the law of Christ, considering one another, another, lest ye also fall. Where it says, fulfill ye the law of Christ by bearing one another's burdens, not by pointing out everything that they did wrong to get to where they are, is to lift them up, to bear their burdens. That's love. We could look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 where it talks about how love doesn't see corona. It's not puffed up. It's not about vanity. What I'm saying is love in Christ and having the love of God doesn't look for fault in others but builds people up and glorifies God. And sometimes we get so bitter in our hearts and we get into a week of thanksgiving and I, this is my challenge. And we'll end here because I'm hot too and I see fans waving. Here's the challenge. This is Thanksgiving week. Let's step back as Christians and first confess and say, Lord, I have been finding fault in my husband, in my kids, in my church, in my job. I've been finding fault in all of these things. But let me tell you something. I could tell you something that Jacob's done that really aggravated me. I could tell you a hundred things he's done that I'm so proud of. You understand what I'm saying? Why focus on that one thing that he did? We could probably say the same thing about our spouses. How is that going to affect our relationships? If that one thing that you're working on right now or whatever, and you forget all of those good and sweet things and the reason you married your spouse, your job, so many things, it's perspective. It's looking at it the right way. And I'm going to end with this, Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Everything we do in life, God has a will. This week, maybe you're going to be around people in your family that gets on your nerves. 
maybe people that are away, troublemakers, the black sheep of the family, whatever it is. We're going to be around people that maybe there's some animosity, I don't know. Why don't we use this week to, to encourage them and to lift them up and tell them how much we love them? to restore some relationships, or to glorify God, or just spend a week of being thankful, not because it's Thanksgiving, but because we're Christians and we have been blessed with so much, and I guarantee it will change your life. I promise you, if you get down and you pray and you say, God, thank you for my job, thank you for my wife, thank you for my kids, it's going to change how you approach those relationships. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13. I'll get there. Three, in verse 13. Let's go back on to verse 12. You know what? We could go into Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit. Where it says, how do you fulfill these things? It says you walk in the Spirit. You have a decision to make every day of your life. Am I going to walk in the Spirit? Am I going to put on the things of God? Or am I going to walk in the flesh? That's our decision. Nobody makes us make that. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. You know, aren't you glad, and I'm going to stop right there and then we're going to pray. Aren't you glad that God doesn't see all the faults in you, but he says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all sins. Shouldn't we have that same approach? Shouldn't we be Christ-like and give people an opportunity and restore those relationships and look beyond our own pride? Because where there is no pride, these things aren't an issue. So I would say this week, and maybe it will become a habit in your life, confess and say, Father, I've been so ungrateful. I've been so selfish. I've been so critical. 